Blue Wire. What up, fam? Welcome to episode 43 of the Snapback Sports Pile. In this episode, the college football playoff rankings are out. College basketball is back. Our NFL power rankings are also back. A little Thursday people's parlay and much more, so let's get it. What up, Snapback fam? I'm your host, Jack Sutherland, from Snapback Sports on Snapchat. Joining me today, and as always, is Abe Granoff. Abe, we brought the energy last time. Can we bring it again I think, tonight? You know, we're opening up with the college football playoff rankings. I think I might just have to bring it. we That's what's going to save us because normally we like to ease into it. Then we get into nah, the power rankings. Nah, diving no. right in. We're going. College football playoff. I was at college basketball night one. One, one versus two, three versus four. Uh, a lot of fouls were called, but in between those games, the college football playoff yes, official rankings were released. Announced. And the rankings were a bit surprising. One, Ohio State Buckeyes. A bit surprising Hold on, let me read through. Let me read through. Okay, let me read ahead. through. Okay, I'll get in there. <laughs> but we're bringing the energy. That's what, that's what we need. One, Ohio State Buckeyes. Two, LSU Tigers. Three, Alabama Crimson Tide. Four, five, Clemson Tigers. <laughs> One more time for the people in the back. Five, Clemson, Georgia six, Oregon seven, Utah eight, OU at nine, Florida at ten, rounding at the top ten. And then one I skipped over was number four, Penn State, Nittany Lions. One uh, more time, baby. We are. I'll let you take it away. We will fight over Penn State. Not really. I don't care that they're there. But my rant will be on the Tigers of Clemson. So you can I mean, begin. No, no, no. I, I mean, what do you want from me? The committee got it right. All right. So the first three were locked in. It was just a matter of the order, right? It was going to be Ohio State. It was going to be LSU. It was going to be Alabama. And then it was going to be Penn State or it was going to be Clemson. And clearly, the committee showed that they don't care about Clemson because they play actual dog shit week in and week out. I mean, they're scheduling Watford in November, and you're the defending national champions. You should be actually embarrassed of yourself. Whereas Penn State has the number two strength of record in the country and a lot of other... <laughs> a made-up st- made statistic me, for those... I'm, I'm actually getting to that. <laughs> um, and a few other, other statistics that work to our favor in terms of our resume that have a lot of uh, initials like FPI that I don't know what mean. But the nerds made them up, and they work in my favor, so I'm going to roll with them. But they made a statement. They put us ahead of Clemson. Clemson doesn't play anybody. Don't get me wrong. Clemson's in the driver's seat. They're going to continue to play absolutely nobody. They're going to win their conference, and they're going to get in. But it just shows you that who you play leading up to the number one rankings matter. All right, let me— I'm not done. And Penn State had a couple good wins, whether you think so or not, against Iowa, against Michigan, um, at Michigan Sir, this is a Wendy's. Okay, <laughs> you're, gonna over, you're gonna overuse that joke. I will as as long as you mention Harbaugh and Michigan is good. Uh, I'm gonna say this is a win. We, we can cut in the tape from the college football preview when you said Michigan was gonna be better than Ohio State this year. True, you were on the record saying that. True. But hey, they got it right. We play Ohio State in three weeks. Obviously, a lot's gonna change. Stuff is gonna shake up starting this weekend with LSU Bama. But hey, I'm just happy to be here right now. All right, so so 
the one, the first point before we get to Clemson that I want to refute is you say they got it right and they showed that it's about who you play it. So to me, this is where it gets interesting, right? Because we agreed today, shockingly, we agreed on something. LSU has the best wins out of the top five, correct? Correct. Yet they're at number two. And Ohio State, you could almost argue that they haven't played anyone. Yeah, they beat Wisconsin, but Wisconsin's kind of fallen off. They beat Illinois Wisconsin, beat. they beat Cincinnati, who's at, I think, 17. In, uh, are they ranked? They're 20 in the playoff ranking. Right. They're giving them a lot of credit for blowing out a lot of teams, which is fine. But if you're going to say they're basing it off who you play, and that's why Penn State's over Clemson, then in theory, LSU should be over Ohio State. Agree or disagree? Continue. I know that that's that's my whole point with that is like they kind of have no, to. No, it's pick. a combination of who you play and how you play, right? Okay. So Clemson, Clemson not only has played um, Division six teams, but they also were a play away from losing to North Carolina at North Carolina. If Mac Brown, your guy from Texas, didn't have an absolutely brutal play call in the two point conversion and essentially throw that game. Clemson's not in this conversation right now. So it's, it's, a, it's a combination of who you play and how you play. Obviously, LSU has more quality wins. They beat Texas when, at the time, what were you guys, 9-10? Yeah, we're, we're good. 9-10, now you're shit. Um, I just had to throw <laughs> that in there. Um, they beat Florida. That was a good win. Have they played all? They beat Auburn. Obviously a good win. But, like, Ohio State hasn't been battle-tested once in terms of being in a close game. So they blew out Wisconsin. They blew out Cincinnati. And credit to them for that. Like, that's yeah, yeah, not anything sure. and not. Like, like, I don't think anyone's really kicking rocks over Ohio State ahead of LSU because inevitably when LSU – if LSU beats Alabama this week and Ohio State plays Maryland and they're a 40-point favorite, <laughs> they're going to swap, right? If LSU wins this week, they're going to be one and Ohio State will be two. Yeah. So, essentially, this really didn't matter, but – I really do think the committee got it right, and this is no bias behind it, putting Penn State ahead of Clemson. Obviously, if we don't beat Ohio State or Ohio State doesn't beat us, chances are that team's not going to get in. But it made a little bit of a, a statement, the committee. Um, oh, man. I just think that it was so disrespectful to Clemson. Are Bro, we nobody gives a shit that they won the national championship right. last year. That was last year. Nobody cares. I hate that you keep saying they're the defending national champions. I don't care. There are six people from that team drafted. They're not. They're a younger team than they were last year. Who cares what happened last year? Where was LSU last year? They didn't do anything. Okay, but my point here is, and are you ready? No, I'm not. <laughs> All right, so obviously Clemson was that close game to UNC. But outside of that, they've beaten every other team by 30, except for a decent Texas A&M team who they beat by uh, double digits, right? So... The UNC loss, or not loss, the UNC win is kind of daunting them. And like I said, this is clickbait at its finest. The college football playoff, maybe they wanted to send a message. But for everyone who's saying they need to schedule better teams, they need to play a tougher, they're in the ACC, right? That They cannot control how bad teams are year, like what are they going to do? Swap conferences. That's Hell yeah. one. That's one. Number two, but like Boston College could be good one year. UNC's been good one year. When's like, the last time Boston College was good, Jack? Matt Ryan. Um, uh, freaking what's Virginia Tech used to be really good year in and year out. So like, first of all, that's not them. It's the conference they play in. Number two, they want to say don't schedule Wofford. That's fine. But other teams they schedule, they schedule a home and home with Texas A&M. Texas A&M got Jimbo Fisher. They're supposed to be a top 10 team, uh, in the country and you're scheduling teams, but they're not. 
No, no, but that's my point. You're scheduling games four, five, six. We're scheduled. Texas is scheduled to play Ohio State in six years. Like the you can go up and down with that. Other teams in ACC, by the way, Miami, Florida State. Like these are historically great programs. It's also not their fault that when they go play in the rivalry game, South Carolina's garbage. Like that's an SEC team that they'd be able to play uh, a high level against. Right. So with that being said, that's their schedule. And then when it comes down to it, yes, I get your point of they were national champs last year. That doesn't mean as much this year. They've won 22. No, 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 no. you got that wrong. It doesn't mean anything this year. Disagree. Completely disagree. Oh, they've, won, they've won 22 games in a row. Okay, and then doesn't matter. This is the media narrative every year. They don't play anyone. They don't play anyone. They don't play anyone. And then they smack someone in the semifinal every year. And then they go in and beat the big bat. They smoked Alabama. Right, so okay. does it matter right. that they're five right now? If they win out, they'll get the opportunity. Like, it literally that's, is irrelevant, Jack. I, I, well, I understand that's clickbait, but that's why we podcast, is to discuss these things. Right. And you're saying that it's not about last year, which is fine. But they have a few consistent things. One, a top five defense. Two, Dabo Sweeney, one of the top two coaches in college football. And three, Trevor Lawrence, who's rounding into form. So to say it doesn't matter who that they're not... Nas- the, who didn't look good to start the year. At, but he's rounding into form. Right. That's my point. whole picture. Whereas a man like Sean Clifford, quarterback of Penn State, has been solid throughout the entire year. And that's why he got the nod at four. But this is my point. If, you, if we're going to say that Penn State is better than Clemson... Then on a neutral field, if they play in the in the whatever Fiesta Bowl, I would just be happy to be here. <laughs> if they play, Clemson is a touchdown favorite in that game, so they're clearly not better than Clemson. I'm not saying they can't win the game. Well, they can't. It's but- not about being better when the initial rankings come out. It's a matter of who has earned that top four spot thus far this season. There are still four games to be played, and Clemson knows they control their own destiny just as everybody in the top four does. Sure. Whereas when you get out of the top four or top five, you have teams like Georgia or Oregon and Utah who are going to need some help to get it. Theoretically, Georgia doesn't need help. Yeah. Honestly, if they went out and win the SEC championship, you're looking at a case. I mean. They're in. They're in. They're SEC champs with a loss. They're in. Like yeah. I mean, the co- committee is historically just. It's not even close. They love conference champions. But they're in. I want to talk about this Essentially, game of the century, they're saying this week. <laughs> that's, a, that's aggressive, but... I don't know if it is. But who needs a win more for, them, for their resume? Because a lot of people are saying, win or lose, both teams are getting in. But I disagree with that. I really think that Alabama needs to win this game. Uh, Nick Saban should just sit to a Tagovailoa and hope and you, you definitely didn't get that last name right, but I'm I'm also ta- not going to correct you. To a Tagovailoa, that's yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah but that's it, correct. Check the, first, the, Carfa- the first Check the Carfax. Yasiel Weig. What did you call him? Puig. <laughs> French. First of all, that's correct pronunciation. Second of all, Saban should just sit to it because they could probably beat LSU potentially with a really good game plan, even though I think LSU is very good. That's, that's um, not what I'm asking, though. Yeah. Can, Boone, will Alabama get in, win or lose? Well, my point is, well, if they win, yes. But if they lose and Tua plays, then there's absolutely a claim to keep them out. But who jumps over them? Uh, Utah or an Oregon? No, if Georgia. Or Georgia. Lo- if Georgia wins SEC championship, then of course they get in because Georgia beats LSU and LSU beat Bama. So transitive property that math one hundred one, uh, and and I think that they still get in though over a one loss um, Penn State. Uh, yeah, too. but you gotta. I think it really comes down to the Pac twelve and how much 
And even a team like Oklahoma, where one could argue that they have been a top four team throughout the entire year. They just were bad for one day. And Oregon, Utah, and Oklahoma, two of those teams are going to be conference champions. Yeah. So I think the game being in Tuscaloosa is massive because a home loss is perceived so much differently than like if they lost in Death Valley. Whereas I think if LSU loses this game, they'll still get in because of their resume thus far. And I think they should because they are superb. And we'll see how the game plays out. Um, yeah, it tells, that's the thing about college football in these games. Like when Penn State plays Ohio State, LSU plays Alabama. It, it does matter. Like in the NFL, a win's a win's a loss a loss. In college football, where it's very um, objective, who gets in and who does, depending on certain people's opinions, uh, it matters how you lose. It really does. Absolutely. Also, a little conspiracy theory I'm working on just in case it goes against my nitty lines and, and somehow Oregon wins the Pac-12 and gets Wait, in. what's wrong with Ben Simmons? What? What happened to Ben Simmons? <laughs> I don't know. I got a text from John Gruden. He said, 25 out for the game. I assume that's referring to your all-star point guard who's oh, staying. Oh, God, I can't do this right now. Um, all right. But so, no, no, what I was going to say is a little conspiracy theory. Yeah. The head of the college football committee yeah. is the AD at Oregon. I'm just saying. Okay, I like that. Saying. I like that. And well, wait, and the Pac-12 has been getting some hype, but Utah's actually really good defensively, and I like Huntley, a quarterback. Oregon's horrible. I mean, Oregon lost that game to Auburn at the beginning of the year, and, like, Auburn tried to lose it, and Oregon was just like, nah, you take it. Um, I posted a graphic on my story today, which was, like, if there's a 16-team playoff based off the rankings which would be cool because it would be like ohio state versus kansas state first round ou versus utah clemson baylor etc and people are like this would be so dope the irony is that the Who whole does penn state see in that wisconsin uh i believe it is wisconsin yeah, 413 that's what it would be yeah i can check on that for you no, they... i think it's true yeah 413 and then they would see clemson which would be funny but the irony is that do you remember why the playoff was created it was because the third team kept getting left out and people were complaining so much. So they're like, all right, we'll go to four. That way no one gets left out. And here we are complaining about who's going to be the fifth team being left out. There will Don't... absolutely never be no controversy system because... Right, even if, if there's eight, 16... If you, let it, if you let in six, you're going to talk about seven and eight. If you yeah. let in eight, you're going to talk about nine and ten. Like, you think these teams are just going to be like... Oh, well, they made it eight, and we didn't. We were nine, so right. Oh well. Teams used to go undefeated and miss the national championship. Yeah, it's a whole messed up system. But before we move on, I want to get a prediction for LSU Bama. What do you Absolutely. got? Absolutely, it's tough without the two news. Okay, so right, let's assume he plays. Yeah, but I, even with that, I think you need him hundred percent because this is the toughest. Can you stop test. these loopholes and just predict? All right, the so game. you make your pick then. My pick in Tuscaloosa. 30 to 28 Alabama. I don't even know who I want to pick. I honestly, I have no idea who I want to pick, who's going to win, who I want to win. That just came out, and I went with it. LSU's offense is elite. Alabama's offense is elite. LSU's defenses look shaky. They have so many good secondary players though you have to imagine they could at least counter those crimson tide wides a little yeah, alabama's kind of dbu alabama hasn't played anyone lsu's kind of played people but florida was scoring on them which is so concerning because i was at that game this weekend and they couldn't move the ball for shit so ugh, 
I want, I've and I've been on the Burrow train. I love LSU, and I think it's time for Alabama to take a step down. But I also think Alabama's being disrespected because they're blowing out everyone they play. With that being said, I'm going to go 31. I, actually, I think it's going to be really high scoring. I'm going to go 42-41 Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. You know what? I actually I, I need LSU to win because I love Ed Ogeron. I love Ed. him. Go Tigers. Um, Wait, what's, the, what's their up? My party. Valley, where opponents <laughs> come to die. Go Tigers. <laughs> But we're in Tuscaloosa. Um, my parting words on the initial college football ranking, number five, Clemson, clickbait. Penn State's at four, and I have nothing to worry about because they will lose to OSU in just a few short weeks. Ready for NFL week 10? <laughs> Let's get it. Hi, NFL just, week 10. Here, man. Good energy through the first 20 minutes of the pod. And now we're going into our power rankings. Abe and I, I think I heard a little murmur offline before we hit record. And it's about to get heated up. So give me your top five teams in the National Football League. Starting backwards, number five, the Seattle Seahawks. That's right. They just added Flash Gordon. They're coming together. They've got the MVP in Russell Wilson. I'm not putting the Vikings there because they have Kirk Cousins, and that goes against what I believe in and how I was raised. So I got (laughs) Seattle at number five. Number four, I have the Green Bay Packers. Now, you may say to yourself, they lost to the Chargers last week. That's right. (laughs) You would be correct. And frankly, I don't give a shit. The Packers have had the fourth toughest schedule in the NFL thus far and have the fourth best record in the NFL. So combination of all that, looking at the whole picture, the Packers are coming in at number four. Number three, the Baltimore New England Patriots. Um, <laughs> why do I have to explain that the New England Patriots? I know they lost to Baltimore, and once again, I don't care. Number two. <laughs> Wait, I'm on number two, right? That's after three, baby. Okay. No, it's actually before three. Okay. Nice try. Number two, the undefeated San Francisco 49ers. Why will I not put them one? Because Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't trust you. I do not trust you. Your running game's great. Your defense is great. You just lost Quan Alexander. But uh, I don't trust you as much. You're finally going to face a hard schedule. You've been playing absolute poo-poo through the first eight weeks of the season. And now you're going to go into a gauntlet. We'll really see what you're made of. And you can go up to that number one spot potentially this week by beating the Seahawks. But we'll get into that at the People's Parlay. And number one, the Philadelphia, no, the New Orleans Saints. Um, <laughs> do I have to explain myself? What'd they go? 5-0 and with Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Brees is coming out back. Defense is looking amazing. Uh, rushing defense, one of the best in the NFL. Secondary, very on and off. But overall, I would say they're pretty solid. Um, they move the ball. I don't think there's much arguing with the New Orleans Saints there. I don't think you can really get mad at putting them on. No, I, I actually have a bone to pick with you with them at one. Go ahead. Because the fucking New... I'm so sorry for cursing. <laughs> the New Orleans Saints and their fan base ruined the NFL. Oh, no, the not damn. only did they ruin the NFL. <laughs> they ruined sports, technology. God damn it, I bet on a hockey game the other night. And apparently you can challenge now in hockey... We all know I'm not a hockey guy and we'll never talk hockey on here. But I bet on a hockey team, I think the Boston Bruins, and they would have had a goal to take the lead, but no. Somebody had to challenge it because the New Orleans Saints were crying. Well, New Orleans, you ruined it for all of us. You literally made the NFL impose a rule that they'll never enforce, and it literally just drags out the game, ruins momentum. Sorry I took this away from you, Jack. 
but god damn it, do I hate the city of New Orleans. <laughs> no, nah, that was just a setup for you. Uh, Saints, of, <laughs> Saints at one isn't bad. My five, Chiefs are back at five for me. Matt Moore beats a decent, decent, not great, but decent Vikings team. Mahomes back. I've said it the whole year. I still believe it. They're going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, Chiefs at five with Mahomes on his return. Number four is the New England Patriots. Number four, Pats. Still 8-1. and one. Still haven't beaten anyone with a pulse this year. But they have Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and a defense that is good enough to hold the Ravens to 37. Number three, ranking right ahead or before. That was so subtle, yet so effective. <laughs> uh, right before is the Baltimore Ravens. 6-2, and two, winning four in a row. Um, the knock on the Ravens was they hadn't beat anyone, so they go to Seattle, win by double digits. They beat New England by 17, the best defense that anyone's ever seen, 37 points, and honestly, we didn't even play that well. So, oh, shut up. Ravens at number three, and this is after we recorded a podcast Tuesday or Monday night where I said Ravens are the best team in the league. So I'm being, I'm back to just being calm about You're down my down to team. earth. You're down to earth. Number two is the Saints. I still think the Saints come out of the NFC, but right now I can't knock. Number one, Jimmy G, that defense. Shanahan's coaching has been spectacular. Um, and, like, look, you can – I agree. Jimmy G is a question mark. That's why I'll go Breeze over him in the playoffs. But Breeze on the road is questionable, so I actually think that race for the one seed is going to be tough. Niner's schedule gets tougher. But Jimmy G is, like, 15 or 16-3 and three in his career. That's similar to Lamar Jackson. Like, people can hate. People can knock them. They don't play good teams. They don't put up stats. They turn the ball over. Whatever. You go 16-3. and three, I mean, look at, like, teams like the Jets and everyone else. They just can't even facilitate wins, and we're going to hate on Jimmy oh, I don't G. care. Matt Castle went 11-5 and five one year. Like Exactly. And where's Matt Castle now? He, but he was good that year, let me tell you. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Right now, they're the best team in football. They haven't lost. They're the only undefeated team. So respect to the Niners. What Shanahan's doing, though, is awesome. Like, his scheme, he's actually like, hey, we're in 2019, let's do, like, cool things on offense, whereas other teams are just like, oh, playbook from 2002, I saw this work what? one. Every offense is innovating now because of Except the Browns, them. they stink. We're not talking about them, Jack, no, not now. So, those are our power rankings, kind of, I mean, outside of you leaving the Ravens out, which is, it doesn't really make sense because... Uh, Seattle has beaten literally no one, and the Ravens beat them in Seattle. So that's just confusing to me. Outside well, you know of that, good, but you know what's good about all this? These are my power rankings, and you have yours. Yeah, but the point of the power rankings is to entertain the listeners, and so I have to, I need to question you and hear your explanation as to why Seattle, whose point differential is like plus eight this year, even though they're seven and two is number 5 losing to the Ravens who beat them in their own in their own loud stadium. because they're 7 and 2 because they have the MVP of the league thus far in Russell Wilson because they just added Flash Gordon I think their defense will come together and frankly I'm never going to put the Ravens in my top 5 so get over it okay um the Seahawks That's not true that's not true I mean <laughs> if the Eagles are up there too the Seahawks are now about they're 7 and 2 they have uh, seven more games to play. I still Good have math. them. Good math. I still have them missing the playoffs. You agreed with me last week. You're still on that boat, or you think that they're going to get there? I can't. I really am having trouble picking one stance or the other solely because this NFC West West is up for grabs. I know that the Niners are 8-0, but let me rattle off the rest of their schedule to you. 
Seattle, Arizona, Green Bay, Baltimore, New Orleans, Atlanta, the Rams, and the Seahawks. Like, they don't have an easy schedule down the road. And they haven't really beaten anybody yet. Um, I'd say their most impressive win was at the Rams. But we're never you're never really at the Rams because they don't have any fans. Um, so I'm just saying that the NFC West is a little bit up for grabs right now. I'm not going to put Seattle in there yet. But I'm excited for this game on Sunday night. It's going to be tell us a lot. Or Monday night. Monday night, yeah. Um. So the only thing is, it's not necessarily between the two of them because the I think Rams it's too. It's yeah, the it's the Rams who could jump. I I really think that uh, they can go two and five over their final seven and and finish with nine. I, it would be low, but it's I really Seattle. Do. Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Well, they play the Eagles in two weeks or three weeks, so I sure hope so. <laughs> I I'm telling you, I don't think they're that good. Which, and I don't think the Patriots are that good. Which is like, are the Ravens wins good? Who's good this year though? No one's good. I can't even say the Eagles. Yeah, definitely not the Eagles. All right, before the break, let's make some money for the people. Uh, at this point, we like have to be due, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we're either due or broke, so let's pick one. <laughs> right. We're definitely, we're definitely uh, close to that. So you take it away with your two picks. I just audible. I know we were talking this before, how we kind of look mm-hmm. at it, pick, and then unpick. But... I'm going to start with Sunday night. A little hedge opportunity if we go three for three. I'm going to take Dallas minus three. Now, you're all saying, hey, if you're a big Eagles fan, how can you pick the Cowboys? I'm not betting on the Cowboys. I'm betting against Kirk Cousins on the road in prime time against a team over 500, which all three of the things are his kryptonite. So I'm going to take Dallas minus three um, over the Vikings. That'll be my first pick. You want to alternate? My friend at work uh, is a Vikings fan, and he said that the Vikings have, like, four primetime games over their next six. Oh, are the Vikings not going to make the playoffs? That's dangerous for Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I, I agree kind of on that pick. I don't know. That game's such a toss-up to me, um, but I guess it's fine. I don't know. It's a combination of that. Dallas is always way better at home than they are on the road. True. So I'm going to take Dallas, and half of this is because I believe that they're going to cover. Half of this is because... We have a little hedge opportunity. True. Um, all right. I'm sticking with a minus three at home. Who? Who? Rise up from the grave, Cleveland Browns. Dude, I've, no, I have said no. it all you year. Hate, you hate the fam. I you said it all the year. Fam. The Bills suck. I actually kind of like this pick. The Browns are two and six, and their favorites. Favorites. I mean, that's just that's the lock of all locks. Yeah. I, I kind of don't. I kind of don't mind that pick, but I just I hate what they did last Fair. week and what Fair. they took out of my wallet. So wait, you took the Browns with how many points? Three, just three. Giving, th- giving three. Giving three. Okay. Yeah. And I'm gonna have a little fun with this pick. Ugh. I'm gonna take this. Is... What? I'm just gonna say this is gonna completely counteract everything we just talked about with the Seahawks missing the playoffs. But I, I think it's not a bad pick. Yeah, it does. Um, unless the Seahawks <laughs> lose too. But True. I'm going to take the Steelers beating the Rams at home. Why? Because Jared Goff's going to play in some cold weather this weekend. And he's traveling across country. Oh, wait. Actually, did the Rams have a bye last week? They did. Oh, Sean McVay after a bye. I'm sticking with the Steelers money line. Jared Goff in cold weather. Cold feet. Steelers money line at plus 162. 
Um, all right, fair enough. My final pick is the Colts minus ten and a half. I don't care if they got Brian Hoyer, Matt Castle, Kirk Cousins. I think Brissett. Uh, no, nah, they play. they said Brissett might play, but it would be shocking if it they rushed be, him back. Um, Dolphins have a win. The Dolphins freaking stink, man. And I don't know what that has to say about the Jets, which is why I question the pick on the Cowboys altogether. But Indy off the loss. Brutal loss, albeit. Miami off the win. Perfect bounce back. Ten and a half. I don't care about the hook. They're going to win by three tutties. Brian Hoyer looked competent, actually, so I feel comfortable with him against that team. So, Colts minus ten and a half. Cleveland minus three. Dallas minus three. And the Steelers money line, who I've been telling people, the Steelers are going to stay around for a wild card spot, potentially even week 17 in Baltimore even though I do have us going 14-2. and two. That's the people's <laughs> parlay. Uh, we are going to make you all rich, and now let's make our $50. Untuck It is a sponsor of the Snapback Sports Pod, and the holidays are almost here, and you know what that means, gifts. And what better gift to give than the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Thankfully, there is Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. That means you're cool wearing it. Um, I've kind of been frustrated in the past with these like long button downs. They look weird. I got to tuck them in. Bubby tells me tuck it in. I say, no, it looks cool like that. Whatever. Untuck it looks cool and your grandmother cannot yell at you. So go to untuckit.com and use code blue. That's blue. That's B-L-U-E blue for 20% off at checkout. Check out. That's untuckit.com promo code blue for 20% off. And now, our friends, our boys at Axiosports.com. You know them, you love them. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible, just like I didn't know Ben Simmons was out for the game because I was recording this podcast. Now, scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is almost impossible. That's why I use Axiosports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. It highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed and, heck, even do a people's parlay and make some money. money. It's super super simple simple to sign up up and it's free. Sportsaxios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day even before it begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free, curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try for free 99 at sports.axios.com. Now welcoming back our first ever recurring guest, Joe Schwartz, the walk-on legend from the University of Texas at Austin basketball team. Joe, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Uh, honored to be back for the second time. Um, the only recovery like, guest we've ever had. Well, well, it's definitely definitely an honor because um, it's a podcast that I've definitely listened to for a while, and um, I, I enjoy. And, and I've been there, been there since day one um, when Jack really started the the whole Snapchat experience um, back in my freshman year, and um, seeing how far it's come the past few months. Um, really uh, has been been something cool and um, for those of you who have been with Jack and I kind of say we um, as like I'm a part of this but have been with us for all those years um, it's kind of cool to see that this thing's blown up recently and now that Abe's a part of it's really cool too 
Um, so I'm glad to be back and um, ready to start talking. Yeah, so a big reason why we wanted to have you on tonight, outside of you texting me, let's get on the pod, is... <laughs> outside of you literally begging for the past three months, when <laughs> back on. Um, outside of that, is that, to, or last night, rather, uh, AJ, boom, AJ, Andrew Jones, in his first real minutes since his battle with cancer, scored a career-high 20 points. I posted, as you mentioned, right, like... I've been covering, uh, obviously, Texas sports for a couple years now when I started Snapback, and I posted this morning uh, a highlight of him hitting a three, and, like, for the OG Snapback fam who would remember you and remembers uh, me kind of covering Andrew's story, which is he battled cancer. Um, he was going to be one of our star players during his early in his career. He found out he had cancer, kind of went through that whole battle while you were still there at school, while we were both there. I remember that special day against Oklahoma. Um, and it's just like his first real minutes of the new season finally back, puts up a career high. It was just a special moment. You were much closer with him. You played for the team. So if you want to talk on just what that meant for you and what uh, just how awesome that was. Well, I mean, watching last night was was really cool. Um, as as hard as it is to to be a fan now, um, rather than a player, um, it, it was really special to see that these guys were playing for something. And um, obviously, for those of you who don't know Andrew, um, he's been through a hell of a fight, and um, he he's back healthy now and getting back to that one hundred percent that he was at before. Um, obviously leukemia and all the treatments and everything. Um, but, but I think that the coolest part about that was seeing everything come full circle on my end. Um, obviously my senior year is when he was diagnosed and I was looking back today through some pictures on my camera roll, um, during lunch today. And I was like, man, what a journey this has been because we've got, we've got TVs in the office and they were showing the highlights of the game and, um, there was, there's just some things in life that you don't forget. And I can vividly remember the night that we got the text from Coach Smart. We had just gotten back from Ames, Iowa. Um, we had actually won an overtime um, against Iowa State. And then we come back to Texas. Um, and we, we played Baylor that Saturday. Um, and Andrew didn't travel with the team. Um, he had played a little bit in that Iowa State game. I think that was his first game back from a wrist injury that he had had. But, I mean, he looked winded. But he made a couple big plays in that Iowa State game, dove on the floor for a ball, I remember, um, and, and hit a couple big shots um, in that Iowa State game. And then we, we t- took a tough loss at Baylor on a Saturday. And um, Sunday we had a light practice. Um, and, and Sunday night I remember the text we got from Coach Smart that said, I need everyone – um, meet in the dorms at nine o'clock and um, none of us had really been in contact with Andrew because um, obviously everything was um, he was dealing with a lot with his parents trying to um, figure out the next steps where the treatment was going to be and um, when Coach Smart broke us the news everyone was devastated no one really knew how to react to it um, but, I mean, when you have 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds uh, in a room and you find out one of your brothers, one of your teammates gets diagnosed with um, a disease that's taken many people's lives. Um, it's very hard to deal with and to cope with. Um, a lot of tears were shed that night, um, along with 
um, probably the next few months after that, um, there were days that Andrew had good days, days where there were bad days. Um, but, but I'll never forget the night that we played TCU. That was, um, so obviously we found out that Sunday night, um, and then the next night was big Monday on ESPN and the game goes into double overtime and Jericho hits a free throw, um, to put us up 99 to 98. And we kind of butchered our defensive scheme on, uh, the last play of the game and Jalen Fisher gets a drive. Um, pretty wide open and missed a layup and by the grace of God that ball fell off the rim and we won in double overtime and I think that was probably um, one of the one of the best nights and one of the nights filled with the most emotion that I had and I think I touched on that in the first episode I came on um, but but looking back today um, just seeing all the things that Andrew has done all the things he's gone through um, seeing all the people that have supported him um, it's been awesome, and um, you know when someone's going through tough times, that's when that's when people want to be the ones to show support and show love, which is great. But um, that never really stopped with Andrew. I mean, it was all along the journey he had the support. Today, I'm scrolling through Instagram, and I saw that Dwayne Wade uh, posted something on his Instagram story, like, "Wow, what an inspiration!" Um, and, and it's not it's not that um, just he beat cancer. It's it's the manner in which he did that. Um, the kid stayed positive the whole time. Um, and all all he wanted to do and the message that he always told us um, while, while I was there at least was I would do anything to be on the court right now I'd be any, do anything to be with y'all um, and so just the message that he was making was I'm going to get back on this court and I'm going to be the killer that I was before I was diagnosed with cancer um, and seeing that come full circle last night um, honestly I can't really say I'm surprised um, I don't think that's going to be the only 20 point game he has this season um, I, I, I've heard a few things um, from some of the guys from practice that Andrew's very, very close to where he was um, before the diagnosis. So um, seeing all that come full circle, um, I still wear the AJ1 band on my left wrist every day. Haven't taken it off since uh, my senior year. Um, still, still look at it every day as kind of a motivation that um, as hard as life may seem, um, someone else is going through something just a little bit harder. And it just it gives you that extra bit of motivation every day. So um, it, it's pretty cool to see all that come full circle. Yeah, one thing you one thing you talked about just now was uh, AJ's work ethic and his mentality through it all, just being the silent killer that he was and obviously is, as we saw last night, coming out of the Woodworks with 20 points. But, I mean, just last night I'm watching ESPN, and, right, I'm listening to Jay Williams, a very, very known college basketball analyst, and he's talking about how he sat down with Andrew um, after the diagnosis when everything was kind of going down. And it was just in a very open setting in the gym. And it, Andrew was literally putting up shots, working on his game with a bag attached to his hip, going through some tar- type of treatment. Like there's literally – obviously I've never met him. Um, I've only heard good things from you and from Jack. But it, it just shows how – like. He didn't get lucky last night. He's actually been in the gym working despite this diagnosis, and it just speaks to his work ethic, his character, and the fight that he has. And, I mean, like you said, it, it's it's just remarkable and unbelievable. It's just it, – it can't do anything but bring a smile to your face. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's such it's such a great story. And um, even going back to, to right when he was diagnosed, um, I remember – this as well and you can probably find it online whether it's on twitter or instagram or you google it or whatever um 
But right after he was diagnosed um, and they started the treatment, he began losing a lot of weight very quickly. Um, And I remember none of us had been able to really talk to him or see him. Um, And and then the one one of the days they allowed cameras into the hospital, um, they showed a video of him and he had these really high tube socks on. Um, He had a mask over his face. Um, I think he had the pic still in his arm Um, and he was shooting hoops in the hospital. Um, and, and like you, you think about a kid who ha- has been through so much in his life um, and, and then he's fighting for his life but all he wants to do is play basketball and, and he's in the hospital literally with with IVs and, and fluids flowing into his body um, basically to keep him alive and, and all he wants to do is play basketball and, and I think you're right Abe I think last night wasn't a fluke um, all, all the kids known um, it's hard work and perseverance and dedication. Um, and, and people say, if you respect the game of basketball, it's going to respect you. And I think that's exactly what we saw last night. And granted, he's not going to he's not going to score twenty. I'd love him to score twenty points every night he plays this season, but hey, I mean, he's, um, he's on pace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think that that there's a lot more um, that, that's gone into this than, than people saw on TV last night and. Um, it's it's remarkable, and it's really special to see uh, that he's been able to keep that positive mindset, um, like the Jim Valvanos, the Holly Rose, all the people that you see on ESPN, the Shelly Smiths. Um, you, you see people like that that, that really had the spotlight, and then you, you hone in on a college kid who may not have as big a platform, um, and, and you see the fight that, that they have in them, um, and it's just really inspiring. And, um, love Andrew to death, and he was a great teammate, um, great friend, um, and, and comes from a great family. Um, his sister played at Baylor, um, and, and she was a great player, and she's playing in the WNBA now. Um, for mom and dad, I believe she's with Dallas now. Um, we're big Aces, we're Aces fans. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, we're Aces but, fans. Yeah, so I think what's most incredible is that, like, it's she's, oh she's actually she's actually with the the LA Sparks, um, okay. she's with the LA Sparks. Good, good team, no aces, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what I just think is remarkable is like he fought for his life and he 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 beat the battle of cancer. He won the game. He won the battle of life, but then he came back and played D one basketball and scored twenty points in a game. It's like most people get not lucky because he fought and he absolutely deserves to be where he is. But just lucky to even be living after a battle with cancer. And he fought and is now playing, which is insane. And it it shows two things, which is one, sports are just a game. They bring us happiness. They bring us sadness. But they're just a game. This kid is literally, he goes from playing basketball for the University of Texas to almost being in a situation where he's battling for his life. But then sports are so amazing. Because what other type of moment could bring this type of smile to people who are, like, Yes, we lose people to cancer all the time, and it's an absolutely horrible disease. But there are some people who get through it, but we'll never hear about them. And we realistically, that's not going to bring a smile to our face because we'll never hear about it. Where in AJ's case, it's just like, Abe, he's not a Texas fan. He actually hates everything Texas. <laughs> but in this situation, it's just yeah, like... I don't think that's it. I really love the food. <laughs> that's fair. But in this situation, it's just remarkable that he he was playing. So I'm happy now that, um, you know, we talked about the story when we first had you on. And when we moved from topic to topic, it wasn't necessarily we had to move on from the bad to a good, more entertaining topic. Now we can move from an unbelievable moment to just another happy topic. So college basketball is back. 
I was at the games last night in Madison Square Garden, one versus two, three versus four. The refing was eh. I mean, there were a lot of fouls called. All I know is college basketball this season is wide, wide, wide open. open. Um, I'm curious if – I mean, Cole Anthony dropped 34, 11, and 5 tonight. That was spectacular. But they still barely beat Notre Dame. So, curious, Joe, if there's anything you're hearing from your uh, fellow boys about anyone in the college basketball atmosphere. Um, well, I think like you said, um, and, and I think this is going to be a pretty common theme um, over the next few years because of the amount of talent that we're starting to see in high school ball um, and in prep leagues, um, at prep schools and stuff like that. These kids taking taking basically fifth years of high school um, to develop their game and um, really put them in a position to either be a one and done or go overseas and then um, go straight to the NBA after a year overseas. Um, but I think you're exactly right. The the college basketball, and I think we saw it last year a little bit um, with teams like Texas Tech and Kansas State and Virginia finally. They've always been good, but um, they broke through last year. They've had um, some troubles in the tournament the past few years, but um, I think it's wide open. I, I mean, you look at the Big 12, that's probably the conference I'm most familiar with. Um, once again, Kansas really isn't a shoe in um, in the Big 12. I mean, Texas has a great squad. Uh, Coach Drew and Baylor have a really good squad. Um, the parents down in Waco have, have told me that they've heard great things. And um, I've got a buddy who's actually two two really good friends that are GAs um, for Coach Drew at Baylor. And um, I've seen on their Snapchats and their social media how much time they're putting in with their players. And um, they had a big opening night win, as did Texas. Um I mean, I really liked what I saw from Texas last night. Um, I mean, Matt Coleman looked like he had things under control. Courtney Ramey is really playing well um, for us. Big body last night had 10 boards um, for a guard. That's that's not too shabby. Um, but, but it's wide open, and I think it's going to be pretty consistent um, for the next few years. It's not really there's one dynasty. And, you know, anything can happen in March, um, but there's a lot of great – basically non-conference ball. I don't want to say preseason, but non-conference um, with, with some of these holiday tournaments coming up. Um, I know Texas is going up to the Garden, and we've got a matchup with Georgetown, and if we can get by them, we have an opportunity to play Duke. Um, I know the battle for Atlantis is always going to be a good one. Maui Invitational is a great tournament. Um, even I, I thought the Champions Classic last night was such a great um, slate of games. Those two games, and obviously the scheduling people had them because they're, they're big-name teams, but one versus two, three versus four, um, you can't really ask for much more than that. And, and I was really impressed um, with the defense on in that Kansas and Duke game because I think a lot of people thought that was going to be a high-scoring game. Um, Duke's got a lot of young talent. Kansas is trying to figure out what their what their team's going to be like this year. Um, but but at the end of the day, seeing those young kids defend um, is really special. And, I mean, North Carolina's going to have a great team this year. Um, you can't ever count out Coach Izzo. Um, I know they, they barely lost last night. Um, Coach Cal in Kentucky, great squad this year. Um, wow, Maxie can really play. So those, some of those some of those shots that he hit last night, I mean, those, those are what juniors and seniors are supposed to be doing in college, and that kid's a freshman. So... Um, it, it, it was fun getting to watch the games. Didn't get to watch all the games that were on last night because uh, I only had so many monitors and streams available. Um, but um, as, as the season starts to pick up, I'm going to um, really be attached to the TVs and the screens and watching as much film as I can because um, there is a lot of special talent out there, and, and I don't want to miss much of it. Yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly. It's wide open this year, and, and the, uh, the only thing that that means to me is that I'm going to be losing a lot of money this year. 
if it's wide open. And that's not necessarily a good thing, especially last night starting picking Kansas and Michigan State. But for me, I mean, every year it's just wide open. Anything can happen in March. But I'm always – I'm that type of kid that has who I'm going to pick in March. Every year I need the experienced backcourt and the coaches. That's what it does it for me. Well, yeah, uh, I that, think that's probably Michigan State realistically. That, look, everyone – you, Joe, you're saying good defense last night. I saw a lot of sloppy turnovers. I saw Bill Self not knowing how to really use his big man, big men at this point in the season. It's early. It's very early. But the point I would bring up is like, yes, obviously in March anyone can win because that's just what just March is. Like Duke was absolutely loaded last year, convincingly a number one team, and they didn't make the Final Four. And then this year, Duke's still a top five team, still beating top five teams. And they're not even close to as loaded. So while, of course, March Madness is always very, very, very open, I think this year it's just absolutely like, I mean, there's teams like Maryland, Xavier, I mean, from all over the park that are come and that will come into March with a very good chance to win it all. Oh, I, I completely agree with that. And uh, I mean, I'm looking. I was watching the Virginia game earlier, um, and it's 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 about as ugly as the Virginia score as you'll see. It's 46-32 um, with a little under three minutes left in the second half. How about that? Uh, I mean, they, you're, you're talking about a defensive game. Virginia offense um, versus a Bayheim zone defense. What'd you expect? Yeah. Well, well, one thing I will say. Um, and I know it's women's basketball, but I have some family ties to women's basketball. As I've got my pick locked up um, with Baylor winning it all for the women's side. Um, they've got a tremendous squad. Um, yesterday, they were up 51-3 to three at halftime. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. And, ended up, and, it, and they ended up handling um, that game as they should. And um, Coach Mulkey's got another great squad. And um, the, the Final Four is actually down in NOLA um, in my city now. Um, so it might be nice uh, to see them Jack, in New Orleans this year. Me and Jack have a bone to pick with the city of New Orleans. They've ruined every sport with this damn replay. With the challenge <laughs> in the NFL. But that's a different story. But Jack, it looks like we have our uh, our new women's basketball team. This year, I was Baylor just Bears. about to say. I mean, the future? Are, the people's are future? we about to bet on the Baylor Bears to win it all in women's basketball and then have to travel to New Orleans? To watch them bring it home, I, I mean, talk about a snapback experience for the ages. The people's future, I think it's. I think that's new for us. Well, well, one one thing. Can you even um, women's futures? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't know if that's a thing. But well, one thing I will say, interesting fact um, about Baylor women's basketball coming from Waco um, and growing up um, close to, to Coach Mulkey and Kramer, um, her son. Um, I have been at all three of Coach Mulkey's national championships. Um, I was there in 2005 when they won in Indianapolis. Um, I was there in 2012 in Denver. And then obviously last year down in Tampa um, when when Chloe Jackson had that scoop and score layup. Ah, yes. Um, Chloe Jackson scoop and score. Remember it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Remember it like it was yesterday uh, with about two seconds. I think it was a little under, yeah, two two or three seconds left. Um, and they won by one. But um, – uh, I've been there for them all, and now that they're coming down to New Orleans, I don't know why I would pick anyone else to win it all this year. So, so I'm 0 for 1 on FanDuel trying to find WNBA, but I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I it might be difficult to find. <laughs> I haven't been able to find it either, but I know some people. We'll yeah, figure we'll, it we'll out. Figure it out. <laughs> I'm sure you could find that somewhere. All right, final thing before we go. 
Abe has the New Orleans Saints ranked number one in his power rankings. I have them number two. Tell us why the Saints should be number one. I already did. No, I want Joe to yeah, tell Yeah, what do you need? I already told you. <laughs> you know, um, I think right now you look at it from a defensive standpoint. I, I know this podcast, I'm, believe it or not, I'm a big offensive guy. Um, love scoring, love stuff like that. And um, but, but the one thing I would say is our defense right now, um, the Saints defense, has been playing out of their mind. Um, they're holding opposing running backs under 100 yards game in and game out. Um, they're forcing turnovers. Our special teams has been phenomenal on both sides of the ball. Um, punting, um, and and we've had, a, I think, a couple punt blocks, a couple punts returned for touchdowns. Um, and then the offense. I mean, you look at someone like Mike Thomas um, catching really anything that's thrown in his area code, um, got great hands. And then Latavius has stepped in while Alvin's been out and, and has done a great job. He's a fantasy sleeper. I picked him up a few weeks ago, um, and he's doing great. Um and then you look at um, some of the other guys. Um, you look at Teddy, what he did for us when he went out. I mean, everyone down here in New Orleans was was a little worried about what was going to happen with um, Teddy Bridgewater and how the Saints were going to do with a tough schedule. Um, goes into Seattle and beats Seattle. We go up to Chicago and beat Chicago. Um, and, you know, those were two big road wins. Um, and, and Teddy led the way, and he's been what any – coach and what any organization would want their backup quarterback to be. You look at a player like Taysom Hill who can play any position um, on the field and um, does it without without complaining. Um, wherever the coaches want him to play, he will play. And I think just all around, um, they're the team with the least amount of weaknesses. Um, obviously, no team's perfect. Um, we're coming off a bye this week. We've got a division game against the Falcons. Um, and, and, you know, the Falcons may not be great this year, but um, it's still a division game. Um, they're not. I promise you they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're well, painfully bad. Well, I, I like to think that, and I like to think that this is a win for us this weekend, but um, you still got to go out and play the game. And um, I, I really, really think the Saints have the mindset right now that uh, Miami's there, um, the destination, just like 9 when they won it all. Um, so... It would be something if, if those Ravens and, and Saints could meet up um, in February. Yep, keep wishing, Joe. <laughs> I think Abe was going to have something to say about uh, the Saints making it, but Abe, the Eagles have to get to the playoffs before they uh, can oh, make it to the Super me, Bowl. spare me, spare me. We both know we're winning the division. <laughs> um, all right, Joe, thank you for joining us uh, again as our recurring guest on the Snapback Sports Pod. Now you uh, can finally stop blowing up our phones every day when you come in. Like, give us a week <laughs> Give us a week before you blow us up again. We'll get you on, right. we promise. That was episode uh, 42 of the Snapback Sports Pod. Snapback fam, we will talk to you soon. <laughs>